0: Thank you, ladies, and thank you, Pastor Becca, for having me today, and I just love seeing a room full of women gathered, and there are actually rooms full of women gathered all across the metro area at all of our campuses, so... They are going to be watching this recording, and they're going to be listening to it on our podcast. I would love for our Apple Valley campus to just welcome anybody who's watching Sisterhood at their campus or listening online. Can we just welcome those ladies? We are one church, multiple locations. We say it all the time, and I love that we are diving into the book of Ephesians this season in sisterhood. Um, When I gave my life to the Lord, one of the very first things I did was I got a Bible and then I said, what do I do with this? (laughs) I have no clue how to read this. I don't even know what chapters or verses are. And so I joined a women's Bible study and took a deep dive We were learning from like Beth Moore, who loves Beth Moore. She's just like a champion woman of Bible teaching. I love her. Um, And it changed my life forever. The word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. The word is powerful and it's transformative. When we dig into the word, he will change our lives. And so I'm excited that we are diving in to the book of Ephesians. Last week we learned from Paul's first prayer written in Ephesians 1 that we have access through the spirit to divine wisdom and the revelation of him. That we as believers would not only know the truth about him but also know our position in him, that in him and through him, we have resurrection power and authority to do his will on the earth. And today, we are going to be studying from Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, where the apostle praised for the Ephesian church for the second time. And what I love about this, when we were planning for Ephesians and we were divvying out lessons, I got this lesson. I didn't ask for it, but they're like, hey, we'd love for you to write on Ephesians 3. And I was like, what? why does that sound so familiar? Well, I'm going to date myself. Do you guys remember when blogs were cool? <laughs> uh, I had started a blog a long time ago, and my key verse was Ephesians 3:14 through 21. So this, these verses have meant a lot to me in my life as I've grown up in the faith. Um, and before I dig in to this prayer, I want to set it up. Because Paul starts his prayer in Ephesians 3, 3.14 saying, for this reason. And whenever you read the word of God and you start reading a verse with a statement like that, it's important to go and read the verses that precede it to gain context for what you're about to read. So what was Paul praying for? For what reason was he praying for, the church? Well, that is found in Ephesians 3, 7 through 13, where he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me though i am the very least of all the saints this grace was given to preach to the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ and to bring to light for every everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in god who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. The people in Ephesus knew. Paul was writing this letter while in prison, and Paul is appealing to the church, asking them not to lose heart, not to grow weary, not to lose courage in their faith because they know he is suffering. He didn't want the church to be bogged down with discouragement because he was in jail for preaching the gospel. He was on mission. He was doing exactly what God had called him to do and graced him to do. Paul had a kingdom perspective. He knew that his ministry would mean personal suffering, but he also knew that there was an eternal value being produced as he shared the gospel, even from prison. And if I were doing soap right now, I would be asking myself, what would it look like for me, for us as believers, to carry that same mindset, to have a kingdom perspective that pushes us outside of our comfort, A mindset that places the advancement of the gospel over our own desires. A heart so submitted and so surrendered to God that says, Your will be done, Lord, not my own. So now we know the context of Paul's second prayer. Let's read it together in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. This is Paul praying for the church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen knowing the context of this prayer makes it all the more meaningful and beautiful a man in prison for his obedience to God and proclaiming the gospel remains faithful to the mission of God on his life and prays three things for believers that they would one, be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts, two, to be able to comprehend the love of Christ, and three, to be filled up to the fullness of God. So let's unpack each of these things, starting with Paul's first request, that they would, one, be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner man so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. We are beings made up of a body, soul, and spirit. You may have heard that in Sisterhood or at Freedom, if you've ever been to the Freedom Encounter. Paul is praying that we would be strengthened by the spirit in our innermost being, our souls. And our souls are where our mind, will, and emotions reside. Paul is praying for a comprehensive and powerful spiritual strengthening of the very places that we as believers get tripped up the most, our minds. He knew that there was a temptation for the believers of Ephesus to grow weary in the faith as a result of the suffering he was enduring. So he prayed for the spirit to strengthen them from the inside out. You may be strong physically in the room, but how are you doing spiritually? Are you spiritually strong? We may even have an appearance of strength in our walk with Jesus and yet our inner world is completely spiritually anemic and out of line of out of alignment with God's word and God's truth. And Jesus actually condemns the Pharisees for this. In Matthew 23, 27 through 28, he says, You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Scripture makes it very clear that God isn't looking at the outward appearance of our lives. He cares most about the state of our hearts, our inner world. 1 Samuel 16, 7 said, God sees not as man sees, for man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. In Matthew 15, verse 18, But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and those things defile the person. God knows that our inner world affects our behavior. What we think in our hearts, we do. This is why Paul says in Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What we think in our hearts, we do. So think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. That's an amazing truth that we can grab hold of. As believers, we need to grab a hold of this prayer and ask God to strengthen us in our inner being. Why? Because on the other side of it is a promise of Christ dwelling in our hearts. Paul asked that Jesus would live in these believers, even as Jesus promised in John 14, 23, where he says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Two ancient Greek words convey the idea here, to live in. One has the idea of living in a place as a stranger, and the other has the idea of settling down and making a place a permanent home. The word dwell uses the ancient Greek word for permanent home in this verse. Jesus wants to make himself a permanent home in you. He wants to settle down in your heart and not just visit as a stranger when you're having a good day, right? He wants to be in your heart, a part of your life, every single day and we need spiritual strength to let Christ dwell within us because there is something that is naturally resistant to the indwelling Jesus. Our flesh gets in the way of Jesus dwelling within our hearts and that's something that can only be conquered as the Spirit of God gives us victory through faith. So when we feed faith, fix our eyes on God, and depend on the Spirit to give us spiritual strength, we actually make space for Jesus to dwell in our hearts. And when Christ dwells in our hearts, we become rooted and grounded in his love. Rooted in, the, in this context is like having a tree which lays hold upon the soil, twisting itself around the rocks that can't be upturned. Grounded is like a building which has been settled as a whole and will never show any cracks or flaws in the future through failures in the foundation. God is calling us to be rooted and grounded. And it's from this place. Christ dwelling in us, being firmly rooted and grounded in his love, that we are able to do the second thing that Paul is praying for us to comprehend and know the love of Christ. And this is the second request of Paul's prayer for the believers in Ephesus. And we're going to camp here for a majority of the teaching because understanding this affects so much of our lives as believers. Comprehending and knowing the love of Christ is the foundation of Christianity and the gospel. And we see this in the famous verse of the New Testament, John 3.16, for God so loved, Loved the world, that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's love is the reason that we can have hope for a future and the foundation of everything that we stand on as believers. And Paul is praying that believers would be able to comprehend this together in community. That's why I love places like Sisterhood, where you're diving into the Word of God. You're discovering what it means to live out faith, and you're doing it together in community. That is God's idea. He wants us to do it in community. And my prayer is that we as a community today or tomorrow or whenever you hear this would leave with a greater comprehension and awareness of God's love for you personally, comprehend in the Greek conveys the idea of apprehend. Paul is praying that they would be able to fully grasp, understand, and take hold of the love of Christ that already resides within them. A love that is vast and complete. A love that has no end. The believers have already accepted Jesus into their hearts through faith, which means that they are already rooted in And grounded in his love. Verse 17 says, You being rooted and grounded in love. The foundation of love has already been laid, and now Paul is praying for them to fully grasp this and apprehend what that love is and what it means. And there are four different kinds of love represented in the ancient Greek language. You guys may have heard of this before. It'll be a good review for you, but there are four different kinds of love. The first is eros, and um, it's described, as we might guess from the word itself, as more of an erotic love, okay? It refers to a passionate And sensual kind of love, that's eros. Then there's storge, and this is the second word for love, and it refers to a familial kind of love, um, the kind of love that there is between like a parent or a child, or between family members in general. And then there's philia, which is the third word for love, and this speaks of a brotherly friendship and affection. It's a love of deep friendship and partnership, and it is sometimes described as the highest form of love which man on his own, without God's help, is capable of. And then there's this final one, which I'm sure you've all heard about, agape. And this is the highest form of love. It's a love that loves without changing. It's a love that isn't based on feelings, but a choice, denying self for the sake of another. It's a love so great that it can be given to the unlovable or the unappealing. It is a love that loves even when it's rejected. Agape love gives and loves because it wants to. It does not demand or expect repayment from the love given. It gives because it loves. It does not love in order to receive. Agape love is described more thoroughly in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 7, where it says this. If I could speak all the languages Ultimately, he is saying that he could do a lot of good things without love, and it would mean absolutely nothing because it wasn't rooted in agape love. Love is to be the foundation of all we do, and what we do only glorifies God if it's rooted in this kind of love. Are we a people known by how we love others? Never giving up, never losing faith— Always hopeful, enduring in every circumstance. Immediately after Paul writes this prayer in Ephesians 3, he begins Ephesians 4 with this, Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians 13, right? The word love in this verse from Ephesians 4 is the same agape love from Ephesians 3 and shows us that a revelation of God's agape love should lead to an agapeo love of others. That's the verb form of agape. Action flowing from the agape love within us glorifies God because agape is the purest form of love, the purest expression of God's love for us. And when we love others from this place, they experience God's love through us. And it's just an amazing thought to think that we, if we can adopt this form of love, can minister to others and others can encounter him through us when we love this way. And they can actually feel the exchange of God's love through us us as vessels of his love. I just think that's amazing to think that God wants to partner with us in that way. 1 John 4, 7 through 21 affirms this and paints this picture beautifully. So I'm going to read it together. 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Anyone confused yet? (laughs) It's wordy, but it's powerful. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God who they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister." Jesus then also backs this concept by summarizing all of the commandments in Scripture to these two. In Mark 12, 30 through 31, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. And I think it's important to just pause here. I just read you a really lengthy passage of Scripture that as I'm reading it, you could be like, oh. What? (laughs) Like, it's just love, love. Okay, I gotta love here and I gotta love God and God loved us and it's just, it can be confusing. Jesus summarizes it and says, here's how you do it love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When you do that, you're gonna be able to love your neighbor the way I want you to. It's not backwards. I think a lot of times, especially as new believers, if you're a new believer in the room, you hear the world tell you, but you're supposed to love. You're supposed to love, 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 right? Yes, we are supposed to love. But the first thing we do is love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus then transforms us and gives us the ability to love people the way they need to be loved. And where there is love, there must be truth. It's not loving to not tell the truth. But there's a loving way to tell the truth, right? And so there's a world out there that's looking for love. And they're looking in all the wrong places. I was one of those people. God wants us To be loving, yes, but we can't do that if we're not first loving him because he is the source of love. And when we love him, he imputes that love in us and we are able to love the world the way he wants us to. We can't get it backwards. We can't say I'm loving my neighbor, therefore I'm loving God. Yes, it's backwards. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Pursue him and watch him use you to transform people around you by his love but you have to get it first with him. It has to come first from him. All right, I just went way off my notes, but that's okay. All of these verses that I just read, that we just went over, use the same word for love, either in the noun form of agape or the verb verb form agapeo, okay? Okay. And this is the kind of love Paul prays for us to understand, to comprehend, and to apprehend. Again, when we love God, when we pursue God, he will give us the ability to understand, comprehend, and apprehend this love so that we can live out what God is calling us to live. Love God, love people. They go hand in hand, but you can't truly love people until you love the Lord. Okay? So he is the perfect form of love. And true agape love flows out of us from him. As stated earlier, when we open our hearts to Christ through faith, he takes up residence in our hearts. And Paul is praying that the church would grow in their awareness and their comprehension of this. Christ is already in them, and they're already rooted and grounded in his love. Now they need to be able to comprehend it and start to live from that place. And Paul says this kind of love surpasses knowledge, meaning it just can't be known by the mind, okay? This love isn't just known about It's known from deep within us. We only truly know if it resides in us through faith in him. And it's experienced first. Then it's known. That means I can't just stand up here and tell you all about God's love. You have to experience it for yourself. That's again why it's important to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why? Because he wants you to experience it first so that you can then live it out. If you believe in Jesus... This agape love is in you already. It's available to you. Do you perceive it tonight? Do you perceive his agape love for you tonight? If not, ask God to give you a fresh, fresh revelation of his love today. Make space for him to show you and anticipate him doing it. Thank him for it and ask for eyes to see it and a heart to sense it. He will do it. If you ask. When, when Christ dwells in our heart and we grab hold of his agape love, Paul then prays that the church would be filled up to all the fullness of God. And that just mind-boggling to me. That we can be filled up to all the fullness of God. The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything that we see in nature. We can be filled up with his fullness. That's a wild prayer to pray for the believers, right? Paul is asking God to fill these Christians unto all the fullness of God. He wanted them to experience life in Jesus Christ, the fullness of God, to be filled to their capacity with Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. If the fullness of God lived in Christ and Christ dwells in us, then we have the fullness of God in us. Is that not crazy to try to comprehend? It's wild to me. And I don't know about you, it's hard to wrap my head around that. Paul's prayer and God's purpose and desires that our whole being may be so saturated and so charged with his indwelling presence that there would be no capacity for any more. Wow. That we'd be fully content, filled to full measure of Christ. Because contentment in this life doesn't come from having full houses Nothing in the material world has the power to satisfy our deepest need. True biblical contentment comes when we are full of him. Philippians 4, 11, I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through who him who strengthens me. Notice who Paul depends on for his own strength. He experienced all of life's up and downs and learned the secret to remaining content in all of it. Jesus. And it's from this place as believers we are to operate because before we can do anything of kingdom value for God, we need to have a personal encounter with God and be filled with him. Paul didn't say, I can do all things through myself, right? I can do nothing apart from Christ is what he's saying. Everything he did was empowered by the Spirit of God moving through him. And the same is true for us in this room. We can do all things through Christ. We can be content in all circumstances. How can a man in prison be content in all circumstances? It is only by the power of God, the Spirit of God moving in us and through us, that we can be content in Him. The things Paul prayed for spiritual strength, the indwelling Jesus, experiential knowledge of God's love, and the fullness of God belong to us as children of God, but they must be received by believing prayer and actually can be furthered in the lives of others by our prayers for them. That's amazing. There is power in the prayers that Paul prayed for the believers of Ephesus, and the impact of his prayer lives on in us and will live on for generations to come. Prayer is powerful. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Is the love of Jesus so full in you that it leads you to praying for the world around you? I don't know about you, but if you turn on the news or you get on Instagram, you don't have to be on it too long to realize that the world needs the supernatural power of God to move. Israel, Palestine, everything that we see. We are not powerless here in America. We have the spirit of the living God in us. We have authority given to us by Jesus to pray. And when we pray, things shift. The atmosphere shifts. We don't battle flesh and blood, but the principalities of this world. You are not powerless sitting at your tables tonight. Don't let the enemy lie to you and trick you and make you think you have nothing to offer. Prayer is the most powerful weapon that we have. And when we grab hold of the authority he has given to us, things change. Things change in your life. Things change in your family. Things change in your workplace. Things change in the world as a result of Christians who will grab hold, apprehend the power of God living in us, and do something about it through prayer. Let's invite God into the to the the space, right? We all think that we're powerless. We're not. We have been given unmatched power. The creator of the universe resides within us by his spirit. Ladies, you are a weapon. You're a weapon. You're a weapon for your kids. You're a weapon in your marriage. Pray and watch him move on your behalf. When we apprehend God's love for us and are filled to full measure with him, we live differently. It compels us into action because what we think, we do. goes back to the beginning of the message. What we think in our hearts, we do. And all of this sets the table for Ephesians 4 where Paul uses the transition word, therefore. Now, therefore, marks the transition from doctrine to duty, principle to practice, position to behavior. Because of the revelation of God's love, Paul challenges believers to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we have been called. And this challenge remains for us. So I'm going to read it again. Therefore, I... The prisoner of the Lord implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The word worthy in this verse is axios in the Greek, and it means weight. Literally, it means leading a balanced life, actions being consistent with your words when Christ dwells in our hearts, when we comprehend and apprehend his agape love and are filled up to the fullness of God, we can rest in the truth that he is able, he is able to do immeasurably more than we seek or immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is in work within us. That's how he ends his prayer. He forms us into his image, refines us molds us, and our actions begin to match the inner working of the Holy Spirit. God is able to do this in your life tonight. Not beginning with eternity on the other side of heaven, this power works in us here and now. And when we, the church, understand and walk in that eternal purpose and power, God will be glorified. Not only now, but in all generations forever and ever. That was Paul's prayer. So as you digest this at your tables, I would love for you to read this prayer out loud and take some time to assess what parts of Paul's prayer do you need to activate in your life. He was praying for the church of Ephesus, but this prayer lives on in us. And when we take hold and grab hold of the truths in this passage of scripture, our lives are transformed and changed as we're conformed into the image of Christ. So maybe you need spiritual strength tonight to do what God has called you to do. Maybe life has distracted you and your inner world isn't matching what you're projecting on the outside. I think tonight Jesus wants to realign your heart. And ladies, this is a safe place. This is a safe place to share with your table where you're truly at. We cannot ask God to change our lives if we're not willing to be honest with where we're truly at. He meets us when we're honest. And when we say, hey, we got to get it back in alignment, right? And there's no shame in that. He loves when we come to him like that. I don't know if you have kids in the room, but when your kid comes to you and asks for help, there's nothing more endearing as a mom when my daughter finally gets to the end of herself and it's like, okay, mom, I need you, right? <laughs> like, that's God's heart for us. He's ready. He's waiting. He wants to help bring this about in your life. Maybe you need a fresh revelation and experience of his love for you. Or maybe you need a greater awareness and the ability to apprehend the power of God that already resides within you. It's in you. I believe that every one of us in this room can walk away tonight with something to apply. So let's take some time to share in community what we're going to take away from this and apply this week. Meditate on it. Think on it. Like You don't have to take everything. I just talked a lot about a lot of different things. You don't have to take all of it. Take one thing and apply it to your life and watch what he does. So I'm going to pray for you, and then you can go into your table time. God, I thank you for the power of your word. God, I thank you that you want to do a new thing in the women represented. God, that you want them to grab hold of, apprehend the truth that Paul prayed for them. God, I pray right now that they would feel safe to just fully be who they are, where they are, and, God, that you'll reveal to them the ways in which you want to speak tonight to every heart, every soul, every person represented Jesus. You want to do a new thing in their life. And so I pray that you would have your way, Holy Spirit, that you'd go forth and have your way in the hearts of these women. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.